anyone out there listening, don't even if you're like in the same boat that we're in, you don't have to be an expert. So many people are like, oh, finances are just beyond me. I need it. I'm not a financial expert. You know, I'm a nurse. I'm, I'm not or, good with money. That's I'm, a, my, I'm, a, I'm right, not good yeah. with money. My, I don't get numbers. You know, you. it's beyond that. It doesn't have to be difficult. And my goal at Real Property Investments as a wealth builder is to make these concepts, you know, really familiar for people, for, for adults and kids. Another common misconception is that my kids need to know this because if I didn't know this growing up with this or I don't have a finance degree, if I don't have a business degree, then it's not meant for me. I'm just going to be busy doing my other things and look at my other strengths and stuff. Whereas in reality, just like I didn't know how to vacuum until I was married. Well, vacuuming is kind of important. Like <laughs> everyone needs to learn that. Just like I had to learn how to, to pay our bills. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Monica Jazik here with me today, and I'm super excited to talk to her because uh, not only has she been involved in over $100 million in real estate transactions, she's also very passionate about helping others in the space. So over the last 10 years, she's helped over 1,000 people put finances at the forefront and learn how to invest differently. But almost even more importantly for this show is that she is a proud mom of four, and she's been able to do all of this while building around being a stay-at-home mom to be around her family. And so if that's not the ultimate goal, I don't know what is. So with that big intro, welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> well, I uh, I want to, I, I kind of like to jump off and get started quickly. And so um, what made you... Well, I don't even know if I want to say what. How did you decide that you were going to be able to build a business and be at home with four kids? Like what, there had to be some aha moment or something. Just how did, how did you get started that way? Well, it actually started um, when I was in my twenties and I was finishing my master's degree in teaching. And so it was a two-year program. I was in Australia at the time because my husband's Australian and um, during the duration of my degree completion, we were engaged, married, and then had our first child. So at the end of this degree, I had to go into the classroom for 12 weeks and teach um, 52 at-risk youth, which was pretty full on. But I didn't really understand how life worked at that time. I mean, up until then, I have six years of university, you know, I traveled, got married. I didn't you know what it's like when you're living, you don't know up from down. So I never really gave thought to like, oh, what am I going to do this full time? Or I'm going to have a business, whatever. I didn't even know if I was going to be a teacher. I was just 
all I did know is when I started this practicum and had to um, leave my baby, which was only for 12 weeks, so I didn't think too much of it. I just really felt um, like I was shortchanging every area of my life when I started doing it. So I was no longer like an A plus student. I was no longer um, an A plus teacher. But the worst part was like, I was not there for my child. And there was even a medical episode and I had to choose because you couldn't miss any school. And my child was in the overnight in the hospital for three nights and I couldn't even be there. And um, I knew it was a temporary situation. So I decided to hold true to my work. Uh, and my husband obviously jumped in and took over and the baby's perfectly fine. But the point is, is I think people make these choices every day. Is it work or, you know, is it kids? And for me, just kind of navigating my way through life at that point, I really realized, you know, I, I did what I had to do to get my degree, but this, no more, you know, my number one job is going to be my kids, family first. And so I said, you know, I'm never going to let work get in the way again. From this point on, I'm going to create my life around my family. And that's what we started to do. Now, fortunately, um, entrepreneurship, I believe for parents, it really kind of allows them to do that. I know it's a lot of work and it's two 24 hour jobs, but it really allows um, people to put their kids first and create whatever life it is they want to create, you know, around their family and put them at the forefront rather than working that nine to five, um, as well as after hours and your kids kind of fitting in on those schedules. So that was the real pivotal moment for me where I, where I said, no more, no matter what I do, it's going to be family first. And the reason I had an inkling that there probably was an aha moment is because there, it's not an easy, it's not an easy task that you took on, right? Because we, I think we either have a lot of times in our mind, it's like that either or situation, like either I have to go to work or I have to stay home or I'm going to put my family first and, you know, work's gone or I'm going to put work first. And then there's, you know, uh, there's ways I can handle with family. Right. And then I think being able to put both together, I figured there was probably some point in the stake in the ground because big decisions come from big moments. And that, that, that feeling of like, well, you know, I'm going to put family first and then design my business around that is not the traditional way to think. I don't think it's a wrong way to think by any means. I think it's 100% the right way to think, but it's also not the traditional way to think. And I think that your story is inspiring in the fact that uh, even with that first kid, and you kind of mentioned like being in school, kind of going through life and like things just kind of move along. And a lot of times people just stay in that path mm -hmm. and there's no stake in the ground where they go a different pivot, you know? And so walk me through what happened after that. Well, what happened after that was I decided we wanted to move back to North America from Australia. And um, so that was another big, we did a global move with a baby and became homeowners, you know? And so when we bought our first house, which was a relatively expensive uh, purchase, I was also expecting number two at this time. So now I'm 28 years old, you know, or sorry, I'm almost 29 years old we're homeowners, we have two kids, and now the bills are piling up, one income, and a lot of bills are coming in. So I got a job teaching part-time, but once again, it was for the purpose of, you know, working around my family. I think I went in two days a week, had a lot of control, that was important. My husband was working, he was making great money, 
and still um, we weren't making ends meet, you know, like, well, we we're maybe just getting by. And that was when I really realized, you know, I wanted to be, you know, uh, I had the best of both worlds. I'm like, now I was kind of like, okay, so yeah, I'm home, but why am I being penalized for this? You know, so how can we make this work? I really put finances to the forefront and took my husband's salary and really uh, paid attention to that, paid attention to the savings options and the vehicles available to us. And at the end of the day, you know, we were never going to be able to afford to retire. We are never going to be able to afford to help our kids uh, go to college. And we are never going to be able to have anything extra than living this hand to mouth in this it's kind of like a box that society created for us. You know, and it was really, really frustrating when the pivotal moment in this case was I'm an A4 qualified teacher. Our financial plan to achieve these goals, such as us being able to retire and our kids being able to go to college, is me going to work full time. And in what kind of society do we live in that requires two full time incomes just to get by? None of these were big lofty goals. There was no mansion or helicopters or ski vacations in Aspen in this. We just want to retire and, you know, be able to provide for our kids, maybe create a bit of a legacy. And I tried very hard with the traditional way. And the fact that it did not work made me think, you know, this is really important to spread this word to other people. And we started with our family. I believe in leading by examples and parents should always you know, lead by examples for their own families as well. And this is when we really learned um, about real estate investing. And we read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is <laughs> best book ever. <laughs> and we absolutely just turned everything and did a total 180 in our financial concepts and understanding. I think everyone out there needs to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And they actually have books for kids too which is really exciting. There's a board game too. Oh, well, we, I, actually, I interviewed the, one of the uh, of authors. Yeah. The rat race, right. <laughs> and the, and, uh, and cash flow. flow one of, yeah, cash flow. Yep. Um, it's the, really uh, funny. I, I actually, I interviewed one of the rich dad, poor dad authors and I have a standing invitation to uh, Robert Kiyosaki right now. And, uh, cause I, I went through those author, but, uh, you'd be amazed. I think I've interviewed 120 people in the last year and a couple months. And, uh, I would say if I asked any of them what the most influential book was for them, uh, it, like a hundred of them would say Rich Dad Poor Dad. It comes up it all is. the time. It's crazy. It was for me. It, it was the, it was the biggest eye opening. I've read it three times in different parts of my life and gotten mm-hmm. something different out of it all three times. And uh, it's it's just it, completely unplugging from the matrix and looking at the world different. It was what it was for me. It is, and yeah. it won't teach you how to invest in real estate. No. <laughs> just like to put that out there. A lot of people are like, oh, so I want to invest in real estate. So I'm going to read Rich Dad Poor Dad. No, it's, it's all mindset. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the financial concepts. And then his yes. follow-up books. But to, to read a book and learn how to invest in real estate, that's another big misconception as well. You know, you know, you have to physically go out there and do it. And that's another big leap for people. It's actually for parents, it's even more scary. You know, I would, um, um, I would say that the, I, even more than just going out to do it would be even more is to find some mentor people that are doing it first, you know, because you can leverage their mistakes. Would you agree exactly. with that? Well, we wrote a book called Real Estate Mistakes, Our Mistakes, Your Success. And my <laughs> goal for that book would be for it to be as impactful as Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. 
And that's, and, but it probably is a bit more of a, it's kind of a what not to do. Uh, Cause each chapter ends with hindsight's 2020. And it kind of gives people that support system. So it's just like these little, you know, like Tony Robbins was like two millimeter changes. Yeah. It's not, there's no Mensa in, in real estate. This isn't Bitcoin or crypto. Like <laughs> there's a, it's just the fact of being able to go in and implement, you know, um, how to do it effectively and just, you know, having that support system and just hearing other people's experience and the mentorship, I agree with you is just, it could help you. Like we help people save millions of dollars of mistakes. Well, that's, a that's thing. really where. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is everyone looks at the upside and not doesn't look at the down things that you can, you know, mess up or try, or, you know, there's ratios that are kind of trying true or, you know, mistakes and those kind of things. I was kind of laughing in my head when you said the end of the, the end of the chapters are hindsight 2020. And I was thinking like, how big of a book would it be if you wrote a book called hindsight 2020? <laughs> that'll be the my life story <laughs> like you need For several volumes of, of high, the, just the, the 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 book called hindsight 2020 you need several volumes of it right for all the stuff that's gone on so um and so so walk me through like actually the, so what did you start doing like what did so so you've made the decision you read this book and you say okay you know what i'm kind of learned about real estate investing how did you take the first step because to me the the step you know, 99 through 2000 steps, like that part is you kind of already like the ball's rolling. I think for a lot of people, the biggest piece a lot of times is, is the first step. You know, it's, it's the, it's the taking some sort of action. Cause I've never met anybody who was like, yeah, I don't want to have retirement or passive income or anything else. You know, everyone, you know, everyone wants to do that. But for me, my favorite, you know, two of my favorite words are take action. And so how did you do that from the beginning? Like, what was the first thing that you guys did? Well, after reading the book, my mind was just, and my husband was obviously learning alongside me. We were just so excited that there was another way. Mm. And to learn that real estate's the number one wealth builder, we were excited to put that into action. But it took us a long time because we didn't understand really how it worked. We had to kind of keep reading and keep learning more. Because for years, we were stuck in the fact that we had to buy the house next door. And we live in an expensive area. And we didn't know how mortgages worked. And we didn't know how insurances, you know, like, people think I'm some real estate, you know, guru. I'm someone also when we bought our first home here, we were in our 20s, I had to be explained to what a home inspector was and a mortgage agent. I wasn't born into this, guys. (laughs) I'm going to do you one up on that, okay? I was a finance major in college and became a mortgage broker out of it. And when they sat me down, the guy wouldn't train me. And I had to call people and I didn't know what a mortgage was. I was a mortgage broker, a mortgage loan officer, and he wouldn't train me because he was mad at me. So I started calling people, asking them for their information to get better interest rates. And I didn't know what I was talking about. Like legitimately, not like didn't understand the entire thing. I didn't really know what it was at all. Like literally, there's nothing, no idea. I was like, mortgages, what do they do? They go, that's how you buy a house. I go, okay, the interest rates. And they're like, yeah, they should be like, they want high ones or low ones on this. And they're like, low. I'm like, all right, great, got it. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> we all have to start somewhere. We all Absolutely. have our experiences. I mean, I also just tell people I didn't know how to vacuum till I was married. When I became this full-time mom. So, you know, like I you don't a, know what you I, know. Like, I owned two companies and my uh my sister wrecked my car and I was on my mom's car insurance. And I at 24 years old, I owned two companies and didn't know how to get car insurance. Like that. <laughs> So, you know, we didn't have, well, Google wasn't around either. I mean, it wasn't like that, but it was, you know, I, I, mean, I had no clue. So it's like, that's, you know, what? I, I'm really glad you made that point because, you know, I, I like to tell people that you can't be a chef without being the bus boy, right? Like it's, you got to, everyone starts somewhere, you know, yeah. go listen to Joe Rogan just sold his podcast for a hundred million dollars. Go listen to his first podcast. They are awful. They're so bad. And he's probably known as one of the greatest podcast people in the world. Right. And so, like you said, you didn't know these things, but you started taking action and you started yeah. going into it, you know, and you I, have and to I, be brave and go into it and, and take action. And I think that's what people, people, anyone out there listening, don't, even if you're like in the same boat that we're in, you don't have to be an expert. So many people are like, oh, finances are just beyond me. I need it. I'm not a financial expert. You know, I'm a nurse. I'm, I'm not or, good with money. That's I'm, my, I'm, a, I'm not yeah. good with money. My, I don't get numbers, you know, you it's beyond that it doesn't have to be difficult and my goal at real property investments as a wealth builder is to make these concepts you know really familiar for people for for adults and kids another common misconception is that my kids need to know this because if i didn't know this growing up with this or i don't have a finance degree if i don't have a business degree then it's not meant for me i'm just going to be busy doing my other things and look at my other strengths and stuff Whereas in reality, just like I didn't know how to vacuum until I was married. Well, vacuuming is kind of important. Like <laughs> everyone needs to learn that. Just like I had to learn how to, to pay our bills. And I just, I just put tile floors in. That's how, that's how I <laughs> solved that problem. <laughs> good, good solution. Yeah. You know, there's, all, there's a lot of ways it's going to cat. <laughs> people, so, people feel they're so hard on themselves. They think because yeah. they're not an expert. You don't have to be the expert. You just have to have a general understanding. Like you mentioned the insurance. I remember when Vaughn and I were our first move into finance and our first decision as a married couple after we became a homeowner um, was to get life insurance and we got term insurance and this insurance advisor came to our house and we sat across the table and you know he nodded a lot like he knew he was talking about like, mm, mm. it was so exciting <laughs> and then we also remember three years later the same guy looked over and we were giving him advice and on investments and real estate and finance. And he looked at us and he said, who are you? <laughs> what happened to you guys? I remember you guys, when I came to your kitchen and you didn't even know what life insurance is. And now you have this entire portfolio and you're advising me on wealth building through real estate rather than these crummy mutual fund projects <laughs> I, I initially had for you. So it, it really was like a 180 and, you know, people, and it wasn't like to get actually going, it just takes that action like yeah. you talked about. So we went out, we just bought a house. That was our first piece of action. And it wasn't the house next door. The, these books, you know, like Robert Kiyosaki's book made us realize you do not have to buy the house next door. And we did everything wrong uh, when we bought it. This first place, we probably bought the wrong property. Um, you know, we fixed it up well. We did some things right, but we used the wrong team. Um, we closed wrong. Like everything kind of went wrong, but you have to be in it to do it because no one else we knew 
was giving us support. No one yeah. else that we knew, all of my friends are professionals who are working full-time. They thought yeah. I was crazy to be a stay-at-home mom, that we're committing financial suicide. And you're much too intelligent to stay at home. You know, why would you stay at home when you could be out working and, and contributing? Well, I think everyone needs to be in charge of their own economy and your economy starts with the family. You know, I always find that such a backhanded thing because my wife's a stay-at-home mom and she was a branch, she was a bank manager, college degree, everything else. And I thought that her job as a stay-at-home mom was much more important than running a bank branch. You know what I mean? And so um, I always felt that like, you know, there's, there's other ways, like I said, there's multiple ways it's going to cat and you have to take care of your own economy, right? The micro economy. And I think that's a big lesson for entrepreneurs as well is like, you know, as we go through you know, elections and pandemics and, you know, uh, you know, rioting and all it's like, but if you're not there and it's not affecting you, like you got to block it out and get back to what you're doing at your place and take care of, of your, of your household. And if you do Absolutely. that, you're more than likely going to have more opportunity because everyone else is watching the shiny objects. Yeah. And they're very distracted because they're, they're worrying about, you know, everything else going on about around them, but they're not even doing anything to change that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that could be a problem as well. It's like a distraction, your macro world, but really you got to take it at this really microscopic level and focus on what you can change. And it starts with the family. Cause I and felt we, like being there for my kids and modeling my kids is going to create strong, productive citizens. I actually think that people who really stay at home the way that I'm sure your wife stays at home and we stay at home because it is a full-time job, 24 hours, it's not just hanging out with, with kids, you know, it's, <laughs> it's the hardest job on earth. And I swear kids take more time of my life because now we have four than anything else. And we actually program everything around our kids. And when they get older, they get busier. Mm, you know, yep. we have two high schoolers that are competitive basketball players. And so I'm in a gym, like, or I was, we're in lockdown now, but I was in a gym, you know, five days a week. And just, I used to people say, what do you do for a living? And I just say, I'm a professional basketball cheer <laughs> and a dance mom. Like, <laughs> and sometimes I do real estate, you know, like. Well, being the but, fact that you put the family in front and I know that you've built a, a, a pretty awesome business. Um, I'd like to get some advice from you uh, that the listeners can listen to on how you are running your household and how you're introducing concepts. Are you, are you talking about finances? Are you talking about entrepreneurship in the house and just some of the things that we can kind of, you know, I could interview as the real estate uh, professional, but I also kind of want to bring it back because it, to me, I, I want people to be able to learn and, and see what's actually done in that micro economy, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think um, with entrepreneurship, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're an investor, you talk to your kids about finance. I think um, there's a lot of like people out there that really kind of absorb their kids into the business. They give them jobs to do, or they take them to job sites. We used to do that actually a lot. We take them to construction sites or call them your junior CEOs. And a lot of people think that's cute and it's, it's a great way for kids to learn, but honestly, it also is a great way to make your kids hate entrepreneurship. <laughs> um, and I think parents just learning through osmosis is the best way to model for your kids. So I do have exciting news. My husband also does this full-time. He managed to leave his six-figure job. It took us five years. He just wrote his first book from Employed Entrepreneur. And he too is home. 
So the best lesson for my kids, first of all, is for them having a lifestyle that where they can do a lot of extra things. There's a lot of travel, a lot of perks and still have mom and dad hanging around every day, you know, picking them up from school, being at those basketball games, driving them to activities, cooking them home cooked meals because we have the time to to nourish our family, cleaning our house and you know, pr providing this environment and we're physically there, that amplifies freedom for kids when they actually see you being present and seeing you make um, time. Like my kids, I, I think they're almost, they do kind of leave this fictitious sort of life um, where they don't understand, you know, it's not normal for mom to have her own television show. Everyone's mom probably has their own television show, you know, or yeah, everyone's mom comes and volunteers. Like we volunteer in their classrooms when we are allowed to go in two or three times a week, you know, and they get used to that. Like to them, that's the sort of stuff that you really kind of grow up and value. And when they go on their personal journey and they're off in the world and they're doing their internships after college or whatever it is, and then they realize, hey, I'm in this office a lot. How am I ever going to, when I have a family, like, how am I ever going to go to this game? Or they're going to really start seeing how difficult that was. And that will force them to recreate the life they lived. I think people go back to those real core values. It's the little things that people remember that they want to recreate. A lot of people say people have to start from the bottom in a place of hardship with nothing to work really. And I love those stories. I absolutely love those stories. They have to start there and they have to work really, really hard to get these, um, you know, these comforts in life and these goals. And, but what about for people to maintain that? What if you've been brought up with all that? You go out in the real world and start learning how much things cost. Wow, what a lesson that is. You learn pretty fast that A, my wage isn't gonna get me this and B, I'm not gonna settle this because I didn't take this when I was 10. So why did I start now? So kids kind of just learn as they're, they're pushed into it and they want to be able to give, recreate that same feeling that they had for their kids. And I think that kind of that freedom aspect really, really motivates kids as well as a lot of conversation. I'm sure you're going to ask me about too, in regards to how we talk about money in our house. Um, yeah, I want to, but I want to, I want to, I want to interject one thing on that. And I, cause I yeah. hear it because it's, I find it to be very, very important uh, to get out of the excuses that we were talking about earlier. Cause that's what I find them to be like, I'm not good with money. So I excuse myself from having to be good with money. Right. And so to get out of those excuses, if you, you have to find your why. Right. And that's what you're talking about. The kids are going to, Oh, well, you know, I'm fine. I, I'm in my, you realize you're in an office 10 hours a day, six days a week or five days a week, whatever it is. Like, more than half your life sitting in an office and like wait i want to get back to what i had before like as a kid like i want that like how do i get that and that's a motivator piece of that why and i think that's very important um it may take our kids much longer to get there than we want to because we want them to have it but if you don't have that burn to to do it uh you can't give yourself the excuses to get out of it i'd love to be a fly in the wall when my if I had a child who chose to go the traditional route and they're 35 years old, they asking their boss permission to take 
five days off a week to go watch their high level basketball or play <laughs> and practice in the gym or go coach their team. When that gets shot down pretty fast, this is when people really go in also, but you want them to learn it earlier on, I think it, too. What I would say this um, too, I think part of the, the context of what we're talking about though is why you need to get into wealth building, why you need to seek this information, because I know that the people who are listening to this podcast are looking for ways to help teach their kids these things. And they may not be able to go five days. They might be already be in that trap because I was there. I was 70 hours a week, um, but I kept my wife at home. Right. And so, but I would say my piece of advice is if you're already stuck in that, I got to ask for those days off and those kinds of things, like start now, right? The wealth building doesn't start in 10 years from now. The wealth building doesn't start in 20 years from now. It doesn't, you can't get to the basketball games uh, later in life. Like you get, you can't start then you need to start now. And the second part of that, I would say is my best piece of advice is that if you are in that stuck situation, which I was in, and I had a very big motivator to get out of it because I, I, I saw what was going on was when I was there, I was as present as you could be mm -hmm. cell phone down, turned off, playing with my kids, pick up the Barbie dolls and play with her, you know, play the board game with your son. Like, because otherwise as they go and they get older, they're going to emulate the same thing that you did, which was I'm too busy. Right. Exactly. And so, and like when we, when I go into a lot of the schools and talk to kids about money and that's how I spend most of my time too, is volunteering to go and teach people about money. Cause I agree. I love this this, you know, money talk because it's great. Like people need to start talking about money. They treat money like a, it's a dirty word and I'll help anyone as a wealth builder, but it does start with the kids. So Absolutely. also another thing we have in our house is the J word is job. And we don't worry about jobs um, in this thing. You don't worry about what your kid is going to do. Why do people have to go through certain streams to, to recreate a job? You know, that's not necessary. People, the millennials now are changing jobs every three years. It's more of a, at your aspirations to achieve. This is what people need to be focusing on. What are your strengths? What do you want to achieve? We're not back in the olden days where we had the blacksmith and just because your grandfather was a blacksmith, you have to be a blacksmith and you have to be a black, you know, it's not like that anymore. That's when society derived from. It keeps people in their boxes and it keeps this repetition. Things have changed so much. Even for someone myself, I'm 44 years old, to take advice from my father with finances, it's archaic advice. Things have also changed, you know, in regards, it's not about just paying off your mortgage and living on a, living on, you know, a budget, you know, there's a lot more to that than wealth building. Why is our society also focused on spend, you know, less than you earn? Why isn't it make more money? All of our clients at Real Property Investments, we don't focus on spending less. We focus on teaching them how to make more because a lot of Americans cannot even, um, they're not even living paycheck to paycheck. They're actually not making ends meet every month. And that's a huge problem. If people are not making enough money, it's not because they're bad people. It's not because they're lazy. It's not because they're not educated, nor do they not have good jobs. It's because society's changed. Our wages have reduced. Our hours have increased. Our stress and health ailments have got even worse. And the cost of living has also increased. So how does the average person keep up? This is what our kids need to know. I'm going to tell you a funny story. My cousin, she uh, went 10 years from schooling. You think I did a lot of school? She did way more. She ended up getting her PhD. My uncle is a uh, diabetic and she wants to solve, make a cure for diabetes. It's an incredible, noble cause. 
she went out there 10 years of school, first job out of the gate, 110,000 a year with perks, I don't know, 150, whatever. So I overheard her, my son, because we, we talk about money in our house and what people make, my kids ask a lot of questions about money. That's another thing too, you entrepreneur parents or make money, not a taboo topic, but, but bring it up. Curiosity so is I the best way. To, for me, curiosity is a really great way to approach that. Like you said, it your is. kids like ask a lot of questions word. about money. You'll understand where they're coming from a lot of times too. If they ask you something uncomfortable too about money, the ask where they're at, why they're asking or where they're asking that from. I've, I've exactly. had some amazing moments from this podcast because somebody told me that. And so when my kids ask me sometimes, I, I question them back. And I, I think they're coming from this certain position because that's my life experience. And it's just this beautiful reason that they, they've asked me for some other reason out of it. And so I enjoy yeah. those conversations immensely. But when I overheard my cousin talking to my um, son about the job, she actually sat him down. She doesn't have any kids. She's like, well, you see, I have this job because I went to school and I studied really hard for 10 years. And now I'm going out there and I'm making a lot of money, $110,000 you know, and I have benefits. And that if you do that, you could do the same. I'm like, excuse me. There's 12 year olds making a million dollars a month making slime on the internet. Like these salaries don't cut it anymore. Don't brag about your salary and how hard you work and how you go to school and all that sort of stuff. This is way beyond that. This is about, you know, your views and money and figuring out how much do I want to make and what, what does it take to kind of get there? And so when I stand there in front of schools, in front of kids, I'm like, how many of you love money? And they're like, I'm like, how many you want a Bugatti and all these great, like fun things like me. I'm like, you could have that, you know, you guys could have anything you want. You just have to be creative, be open, work hard for ideas and figure out how to get there. And that's as a wealth builder, what I do, I'm, I want the everyday person to be able to invest like the top 2% so they can achieve their goals. And the goals are not the women and the dancing, the dancing girls and the cars and the helicopters. That's not the goals. Most people's goals are pretty noble. What do they want? They want to be able to help their kids out. They want to be able to retire. They want to not work so hard. They might even want to change a field. But most importantly, they want freedom in their life. They don't want to be a slave to money. Money is um, an excellent, what do they say? It's an excellent uh, slave, but a horrible master. You know, if you're constantly just chasing that money, there's no freedom. So when we work with people, we kind of teach them to understand how to understand money, teach them how to invest differently, primarily through real estate backed products, whether you're buying active real estate or whether you're investing in other real estate opportunities passively and giving them that freedom in their life so they can go to work every day and earn that wage that they worked hard and put meaningful contribution back to society and you know, be really happy with what they're doing, but have that freedom and knowing I don't really have to be here. I'm here because I want to be. And say if something happens, like, you know, they're, maybe their son become, gets drafted for the NBA or, you know, or is off to a high level basketball scholarship. You know what? I want to be able to, to take six months off, you know, and go from full-time to part-time so I can also go on the road here. And I know I'm going to be okay. The true wealth is indicated. And I tell my kids this, is how much money do you make when you stop working? That's the money. We got to stop trading time for money. So when I stood in front of my kid's class 
and taught my own children how to be a wealth builder. And I've even did this for kindergartners. It was so funny. It's like how to be a wealth builder. And it says, this is what most people do. They go to work, they get their check, they spend their money on their bills. They have no money. So they go back to work. And this is the cycle that people are in. And so I don't think the teachers like it too much when I sit, stand there and say, um, see you have right now, I'm making money. You know, my money's working for me, but I'm not working for my money. I get to do amazing things like talk, be on podcasts or talk to little kids about money or talk to high schoolers about money or anyone who wants to talk about money. I will sit here all day and talk about money because I love helping people create their best life. And why not start with the kids? And I tell those kids there, don't worry about getting a job or what you're going to do. Worry about what you're passionate about and learn how to create your own position. Those words come up a lot in our house. Create your own position. If you know what it is you want to do, like I'm a real estate investment specialist and wealth builder. What's that? Like I technically made that up. <laughs> I've been doing it for over 10 years and now my husband's <laughs> like, doing it with me. And, and no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> we eat every month. <laughs> but you know what's so funny is that a lot of people have coined that real estate specialist, real estate specialist. And it's great. Like you don't have to have those typical roles. You don't have to be in a box and box yourself. And you, this is your life. And you could do anything that you want as long as you have that internal drive. And if your kids see you taking risks and you enjoying life and living every life, you know, for, by the fullest, they're going to just follow. They're not going to grow up to be boring people. They're only going to be doing that boring, scared, fearful people. If you model that, that's what I really think. One time I was playing Monopoly with my kids. I know we were talking about cash flow earlier. Uh, I was playing Monopoly and my, we really play Monopoly. Like we had all the homes <laughs> mortgaged and everything. My son went bankrupt and he started crying. So I yelled at him <laughs> and I said, don't ever cry if you're about to go bankrupt because if you have to, if you need to solve your situation, you have to have your head on straight. You're not, you're going to go bankrupt if you don't, if you're not able to, to act in these high pressure things. And a lot of people go bankrupt because they're trying. It's not the, the greatest situation, obviously, in the world, but a lot of, what do they say, 90% of businesses, you know, fail, but I believe 90% of business owners fail, and I think if you don't have that strong mentality, and you don't teach your kids these, this resilience and lack of fear of failure, and to get out there and really try, try, try again, then we're not really doing anything for them as parents as all. We're just going to recreate that cycle of poverty that we're currently living in you know that i um it kind of sometimes it shocks people when i say this but that bankruptcy was one of the greatest gifts that the uh, founding fathers gave america right and they what that, why and i said because you used to go to jail when you borrowed money and didn't pay it back and you had to stay in the jail until your family could earn enough money to get you out of the jail so now all of the money that they were that they were earning to just get by in the first place is now paying to get you out of debtor's jail. And I said in bankruptcy, it encouraged the, the it allowed the banks or the lender or the investors or whoever to make their own decisions, but 
knowing that they may not get their money back, it encouraged risk, which is one of the reasons that the majority of advancements came out of the country over 200 years, because people were able to go take risks, yes. right? They took big risks. And one of the things that I love about what I, what I, one of the, one of the main drivers about what I'm doing with money talkers and why I want this information as early as possible into kids is that before they have the constraints and they're 40 years old and they've been in a job for 20 years and there's a few bucks in the, in the bank and they think they're going to go start a business, but then how are they going to pay for college and how do they get the car payment and the mortgage and, the, and life is already on top of them. It's tough to go solve problems because that's ultimately what an entrepreneur is. It's a problem solver. And so if the kids who don't have all of these shackles on them to do things, and they see problems, I think that they can go out and solve bigger and bigger problems and create more and more wealth for themselves and other people if they have the information earlier in life. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. you know, that's, I, I, and it's funny to put that up, but I've, I've got to, um, I've got to cut us here so that we can get on to do the high impact series. But I want to say thank you, because I could probably sit and listen to you for another hour, I think, because I, I really just enjoy the perspective that it's okay you say it with such confidence, right? Because I know that you do, you're not you're not just repeating something that uh, is a sales pitch or uh, something you read in a book. You got, you went out and did it. You said, okay, you know what? I I don't want to do this type of life. Like I want to have a different type of life. And so you went and structured and modeled and took the risk and went after it and went and got it. And now that you're sharing that to your kids, it's going to be a multiplier effect. Because I would imagine the same thing that you hear. Uh, you've probably heard your kids either saying it to other kids or whatever else. Like my six-year-old son, like I, the other day he was like, I told this kid, he said that he can't kick the kickball. And I told him, well, you can't kick the kickball if you think you can't kick the kickball. <laughs> See, that's the osmosis. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah but, but it's like, it, but it's multiplying through stuff. You know <laughs> what I mean? And he goes, so I told him, you just got to figure out how to kick the kickball. Like you don't, you, you can't not, you can't just say I can't kick the kickball. You got to you can do it, man. And like, you know, because he's just, he's like a very positive kid. But, you know, but I, I, I realize that our words have impact, you know, and if you think I think if I think I can, I think I can't at six. I learned it at 26. Right. Like how much more? What's the next step? What's the next evolution for them? Like, What can they do to go out in the world and change the world? And so that's why for me, every day, this podcast is important to me because I, I, I don't know who it's affecting. But if we can change our words and we can change our perspective to it, it automatically flows into our families. It's our responsibility to change the world, yours and mine, and all the entrepreneurs out there, because not everyone, you know, um, can do what we do either. And I feel a, a real responsibility. I, my business is like my fifth child. I feel a responsibility for my clients, but I also feel a responsibility to be a game changer. And, and change the world for sure. And if it's not, you know, to, for positive impact, it has to be, then why are you doing this in the first place? So even if one person is listening to this, and, and that's what I said about our book, Real Estate Mistakes, if it's aimed for that one reader, it can help one person, I've done my job. It's a butterfly effect too, right? Just goes trickle down and, and pops into different things. And so, Monica, where do people find out more about uh, what you guys are doing and, and connecting with you and those kind of things? Well, I'm very Googleable, Monica Jazik, Real Property Investments. Um, our website is realproperty-investments.com. And I am on Instagram as well as Facebook and YouTube. But I'm assuming we probably put the links 
We'll have the links in the show notes too. I just want to make sure those people are listening too. So uh, thank you so much for coming on Money Talkers. I I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the message and uh, congratulations on being able to pull it off. (laughs) I'm still going. (laughs) It it, it never stops. So, (laughs) And good luck on your career as the uh, number one basketball cheer. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.